Hey guys, welcome to the Mental Makeover Podcast. I'm Lauren Curtis. You've probably heard the phrase, the grass is always greener on the other side, but I believe it's greener where you water it. This podcast is here to provide you with meaningful advice from myself and others in order to give your little patch of grass the best chance to grow and flourish. Hey guys, welcome back. This episode is so many things. Like, I really struggled picking a title for this episode because it felt like nothing could really do it justice. I'll be honest, I went into this thinking it would be a certain way. Like, Iris Smith is, to me, such an inspiration. She started the Quick Flick back in 2017 and the company is all hers. It's not like, you know, privately funded with this big investment team. Like it's all her. The Quick Flick and her new venture, Beauty Fridge, combined are now worth like $15 million. She's got a team of like 30 people. It's huge. Like what she's done, what she's created for herself is mind-blowing. And that's honestly really why I wanted to interview her in the first place. It's like, you're such a lovely person and you've created this empire for yourself. Like, I want to get inside your brain. Like, how does it work? Have you done it? Like, what have you learned along the way? But when we actually got to talking, there was like a whole nother level to her that I had no idea about. And she has gone through so much, like some really, really dark stuff. And her evolution and her growth and her journey out of that is so insightful and informative and so helpful for so many people. It's like there were so many aha moments. I kept getting goosebumps. She was telling me these stories and I'm like, you're you're, you're kidding. Like it was just, yeah, I can't wait for you to listen to it. I don't want to give too much away. I think the timing of this podcast is perfect. It's the new year. We all want to put our best foot forward and so much of the advice given in this episode it's not even advice, just like helpful tips and tricks and habits and just there's so much information in this podcast that can help you to do that to start the year off right. So I'm so thankful to Iris for coming on and being vulnerable and sharing her story because yeah, it's such an interesting one and I can't wait for you to hear it. So let's get into it. So Iris and I were just talking about how she got started and she actually said to me, maybe we should just start recording this now because this is actually a lot more interesting than you think and it's different to what everyone's heard before and I was like, oh, I'm a little bit excited now. So Press record. <laughs> yeah, let's begin. Get into it. So yeah, tell me a bit about how you got started. I have gotten this question a thousand times before in interviews and... I always had the same robotic, generic response of, you know, I struggled with winged eyeliner and um, couldn't do it to save my life and, you know, lots of women related to this problem and then I noticed a gap in the market and then I brought the product out, which it is still true, mm. that is part of it, but I actually realised this when I went a few months ago and did the EY. I was um, nominated for EY Entrepreneur of the Year Awards. And one of the judges asked me that question, why'd you get started? And I was like, you know what? I'm bloody dumb with giving the same robotic response. And then I realized the reason I started was because of my upbringing. I had a very traumatic childhood. So I was like mentally and physically abused as a child. I realized that I lost all control of everything and I had 
obviously growing up as a child, I felt like everything was stolen from me, my identity. I wasn't allowed to be the person who I was. Like, I literally felt like nothing in this world was mine because everything was constantly taken away from me, you know? So I think for me, when I first started my business, it was really about taking back the power that had been stolen from me and wanting to do something that I could truly say I did that and it Mm, belonged to me and and no one could take it away from me you know so yeah my answer to that judge was just that was that it was uh, it was it was you know that liberating moment for me where I said you know I'm going to create something that's truly mine and I've got ownership of this. You that's know? incredible because, yeah, that's the thing. Your answer that you've given makes perfect sense. I mean, I from the moment I came into contact with your brand, I was like, and I was saying to Reese today, how did no one think about this earlier? It is mm. such an like, ingenious idea. And when you told me, oh, I've, I've read that you've said this is the reason why you started it, it makes perfect sense. But to hear that as your actual reasoning Mm. that there was something deeper and so many people would relate to that. I know people in my life that have shared similar stories and that shapes you so much as a person. And until you've lived that yourself, Mm. you never have any kind of idea about how, how much it actually can completely transform. Not only the way you experience everything and it's like a filter Mm. over the way you experience life and you interact. And I think, yeah, you would, you would never have picked it. And it's awesome that you have the courage to even share mm. that now because it's something that is very, very... I mean, I, I'm assuming it is something that is super hard to share with people oh, yeah. and to be vulnerable. Well, it was it was at a certain point. So, like, I've done a ton of work this year around myself. Yeah. So if I had to, like, backtrack the start of this year, <laughs> um, <laughs> like, whereas compared to where I am now 12 months later put it into perspective um I remember in January driving home and don't get me wrong on paper like my life looked perfect Mm -hmm. right I was in like a relationship like that ticked all the boxes on paper I had a fantastic business I was making tons of money had my dream car like amazing house dog like literally everything on paper you would think wow lucky Iris like she's got the perfect life And I was driving home and I just, in my car, I was like, I literally wish I could just go to sleep and never wake up. Like, I just, I just was like, I wish there was a reset button on my life because I literally, I just wanted to die. Like, I literally just wanted to go to sleep and die in my sleep. And you hadn't had any work or anything? No, because I just, I was so, I was so like in this space where I was defining myself by what had happened to me in my past. And I was like, I literally was like, I'm so fucked up. Mm. That's what I used to tell myself. I was like, I'm so broken. I'm so damaged. And I used to think like no amount of help could ever fix me, you know? And like, I'm so much stronger now, Mm -hmm. but even just talking about it, like it makes me so sad and emotional to think that I was at that point. Mm. And that it didn't, and then it took you as long as it did to to kind of invest in yourself, I guess, and to see you as yeah. worth, worthy enough of like... Well, for a certain point, like when I left home, so I left home when I was 17. So okay. the day before I turned 18, I literally was packing my entire life into my car and moving in with a friend. And I realised like when I moved out up until about the age of like 23-ish, I was completely just numb. Like I was in like freeze mode where I, I had like no emotions. I didn't feel anything because 
like for 17 years, uh, my body as a coping mechanism to survive just shut every single emotion down. So you get to the point where you, you don't feel anything, you know? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I feel like at the start of this year was really hit rock bottom for me. Like my entire life was just meh. And I was so good at like wearing so many masks. Like I know when we first met, you probably thought I was like a super happy person, yeah. you know? But I just was so good at wearing masks and like I would wear different masks to please different people because all I'd all I'd known in my life was trying to wear a mask so that I didn't get more abused you know yeah it's it's a guard it's a it's protection it's putting a wall up so that people if they're going to be mean or they're going to do something wrong it hits that before it actually gets to you exactly yeah yeah because we caught up when did we catch up so the first time we met I think it was at a cafe um I hadn't done any of the work then. I was at like a low point then. That is insane. I know. And that's what freaks me out. <laughs> and that's what really upsets me about social media because we're only seeing, and that's nothing, it's not anyone's fault because no one wants to share the bad bits. That's hard. That's mm. it's ugly. Like, like it makes people. It's painful. Exactly. No mm. one benefits from that. Well, no, they do, but not the person that has to share it. That's obviously a really big thing to do. Mm. So we're seeing we're online. We're looking at all these people with, like, you you know, booming business, a relationship. Everything seemed perfect. Mm. But then it's not until someone has the courage to actually step out of that and say, that is true, that is real, but there is so much more. Oh, yeah. So what got you to the point? Like, what tips you over the edge? What was like, wow, I actually need um, to do something about this? It's actually a funny story. <laughs> so... Someone who I um, had working for me at the time um, was seeing a, um, uh, like a medium, like a... Oh, I love these stories. I've lost the word. Yeah, psychic. Um, So, yeah, seeing a psychic. And, like, back then I was like, nah, bullshit. Don't believe in that. (laughs) (laughs) So I was like, give me her number. I'll go there and I'll prove that it's all wrong, you know? I'm so excited (laughs) to hear this story. I love these stories. So, yeah, I met up with her. Her name was Carol. Um, She knew nothing about me. I gave her a fake name. Yeah, You know, because I was like, "Ah, she'll just Google me and know everything about me. It's true because you you would have a public profile. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So I walked in, sat down, and the first thing she says to me, she looks me dead in the eye, and she says, something has happened to you as a child that was extremely traumatic and it's defining the person you are today and I was like whoa how do you react to that well I just th- I instantly I was like okay this shit's real you have, what about. <laughs> and I mean she spoke about lots of other things she knew all about my business and all the people who were in my life like she literally knew every aspect about me and like my story at the time wasn't one I'd shared before like no. this is literally the first time I'm sharing the story yeah. so she wouldn't have known and then throughout the, the whole, um, uh, what is it, an appointment or whatever you call it. Session. Session, <laughs> yeah. Um, she, she mentioned a few different things about, you know, I was, it, was, it was holding me back. And she specifically said, it's time for you to get help, but not, uh, not conventional help. She says, you need to see a hypnotherapist. Oh my gosh. And she was like, it's, de- it's a specifically, it's a hypnotherapist. And she says, you only need to share your story once with this person to get help. Whoa. Yeah. So I was like, oh, okay. And hypnotherapy. It was, yeah. So, like, it was center. It was interesting at this point because the relationship that I was in for five years before that, so I'd just gotten out of this relationship when I went and saw okay. her, they, like the guy and his family were constantly... I would define it as forcing me to get help, right? Yeah. 
but in a way which started to make me think that I was batshit crazy, you know, like, and I had a lot of anger issues as well. Like I would get really easily triggered by certain things, by loud noises, by people raising their voice, by middle-aged men, because I was associating it to what happened in my past. And when I would get triggered, I was told, you're fucking crazy, you need to go get help, you need to speak to someone. And obviously the more I was pushed to get help, the more I wanted to resent it, because I was like, I'm not crazy. That's the stupidest approach to that, yeah. Yeah, so that's why I didn't get help for so long, because I was like, I, in my mind, I thought, if I go get help, it's me admitting that I'm crazy. Because people were telling me, you're crazy, go get help, you know? So that's what actually this random lady who I'd just met and spoken to her for an hour, she was the catalyst for me going and getting help. Wow. So I like I left it for a few weeks and then I was doing personal training at the time and I just randomly striked up a conversation with my trainer and I said, Oh, do you happen to know any hypnotherapists? Like random thing to ask, but she'd obviously planted it at the seed in my yeah. mind. And he was like, oh, no, actually, I do know this lady. She's called Holly, and um, she helped me with my anxiety. You're yeah. kidding. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. What's her number? I got a number, booked a session with her. And, yeah, just like Carol said, I shared my story once with her and have been with her for, oh, what was it, March now? What's that? Eight months? I don't know. can't do maths. <laughs> <laughs> Eight months or something. Um and yeah I remember and also something Carol had said to me she says you need to go and see her to remove the brick wall in you and that's exactly how I felt I felt like there was this brick wall in my chest Mm -hmm. which was just like protection yeah yeah block you know yeah and yes when I sat down and I said to Holly I said I have this brick wall in me and I told her everything that had happened to me growing up and yeah like oh we've done a ton of work yeah and also with that as well like obviously I had my childhood to deal with but I only met my biological dad for the first time when I was 20. Wow and sorry how old are you now? 24. My four years ago. Yeah so four years ago I only met him and like I was also dealing with like the whole abandonment thing, mm-hmm. like thinking I wasn't good enough and that's why my dad didn't want to be around. Mm-hmm. So there was like a whole cocktail of like it was trauma an onion. Yeah, there going was a lot on to get like, oh, <laughs> yeah. brewing. Um, yeah, so that's kind of how it's, that whole journey started. I think that makes a nice segue into the quick flick. So tell us about the business, where it started and how you got to where you are now. Mm. Great question. <laughs> um, yeah, so rewind back to 2017 working full-time job studying full-time at uni putting absolutely everything on my plate because also relating back to my story I was addicted to being stressed and because obviously growing up it was always stress and normal yeah pain it was just a normal so I loved to put whatever I could on my plate and just run myself to the ground it's how I ran my life for many years right So, yeah, obviously studying, working, what else can I do to make this even harder than it already is? (laughs) Let's start a business. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I obviously had the idea of QuickFlick because I had personal struggles with eyeliner and couldn't get it right despite watching many tutorials. And, like, I just had this idea in my head. I was like, oh, a stamp. And then, like, I jumped online and sort of started to look for the design I had in my head. And I was also a little bit inspired 
by like Kylie Jenner because I feel like she kind of really revolutionized the whole lip kit yeah. thing, you know? And I was like, surely it's like a winged eyeliner kit. Like it's such a staple, you know, it's this look that's never gone out of fashion. No. And yeah, there was nothing really that like, there was like these little cheapy stamps that you could get, but they didn't have the ink in them. Mm. They didn't have the liner on them. So, or the shape was just like awful. It was like mm. a triangle. <laughs> So I thought, oh, like, here's a nice little opportunity for me to do something with my time because, yep. you know, I had All so much of it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I literally um, did it over a semester break. So it was in June 2017. And in about six weeks, found a manufacturer, designed the packaging, designed the website. Was this on started. your own as well? Yeah, this is just all my on my God. own because, you know. <laughs> why not why not <laughs> um and yeah launched it and I didn't tell anybody I was yeah. doing it I just did it really? and then yeah I just launched it six or eight weeks later it was when I got my first batch of like 500 eyeliners Aww. which was like my entire life <laughs> savings oh my god and I was like I remember trying to like negotiate with supplier because normally have like thousand quantity say, that's minimums. a really low MOQ yeah and I was like please I'm a struggling student <laughs> like I promise I'll buy more in the future shaman <laughs> They're still my supplier oh, today so as well, good. so it's a nice story. But yeah, 500 units, which I just thought was huge. That's a lot for someone who, yeah, for like, you ha- you hadn't been in this industry before. No, exactly. Yeah, launched it, had, you know, I think I made like $800 in sales the first day I launched. How did that go? How did you get it out? Where did you post it? Or it like on Facebook. Oh. I just posted on Facebook, like to all my friends and family. And okay. I was like, oh, I've just launched this. Please support me. <laughs> and how many did you sell in like the first day? I was $800 worth. So whatever that is divided by 35. I'm not going to do the math. Either. not me. <laughs> <laughs> a few units. Um, but I was like, I've made it, you know? Yeah. Um, I was so stoked with it. And then. I love those stories. That's yeah. So cool. And everyone was kind of like, oh, like, where'd this come from, Iris? When did you get time to do this? And I was like, oh, you know, just on the side. So, wait, h- how long did that take you from like the moment you had the idea to actually selling it? I think it was like two months. You're actually doing Yeah, I think it was t- about two months. Amazing. Well, semester is like eight weeks. So, I started at the start of the break and then when I went back to uni, so it would have been eight weeks. Until you actually had the product made. Yeah, it was pretty quick. That is the quick flick. I know, I know. Pun intended. Anyway, yeah. okay. Continue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is the quick flick. Um, yeah, so it was it was very, very quick. And it to be honest, it didn't take off. Like, it didn't blow up like it is to what it is mm. now. Like, it was kind of a little bit of a slow burn. What really sort of set it off was when I had a Daily Mail article go up about me. They found my Instagram page and they wrote an article on it. And I think the day the article was published, I think we did like $8,000 in sales. And I was just like on a high. That's I was like, oh my crazy. God, you know. But from that, this is just how amazing, you know, the universe works yeah. and sets things up for you. I had uh, the produ- or producer of Shark Tank saw oh, that so they article. approached you. Yeah. Oh. So I got this email and I thought, oh, this is a spam email at first. Would but think, it yeah. was legit. And they said, oh, I read your article. I think you'd be really great for Shark Tank. And at the time, because I was still in my self-sabotage mode, because I believed that I wasn't worthy of anything yeah. good, I thought, nah, I'm not going to do it. There's no way I'll make it on. I started making all these reasons in my head for why I shouldn't go on. And then the submissions were due, um, I don't know, one night. And I still, I hadn't submitted or anything. And then I went to go to bed and it was like one in the morning because I used to love staying up late at night. Now I'm in bed by eight o'clock. Um, 
And I just like, I don't know, I had this like thing in my mind just being like, just do it, Iris. Like, why not? So I was like, so I got up and then I recorded this video on my iPhone. It was so... <laughs> and it's funny because I speak to some other people who submitted their entrance and they like get a proper film crew and like do it this really professional polished video and mine was just on my iPhone like looking oh, half dead. I been like, hi. <laughs> um, and then... The next morning, the producer called me. She was like, oh, my God, I love your video. It was so raw and, like, real. Oh. And she says, oh, I want you to come to the Perth auditions. So long story short, went to the Perth auditions. You have to, like, do a fake Shark Tank appearance or whatever it's called. And then they were really happy with that. And then I got a call a few weeks later saying, yeah, you're going to be on the show. Oh, my God. And I was like, oh, my were God. You so nervous? I was. I was really nervous. And then, yeah, I flew to Sydney, rehearsed my pitch about a million times. I probably still can remember my pitch. It's, like, engraved in my <laughs> yeah, mind. Yeah, I can imagine. And, yeah, went on the show, got a deal, took it on the show, turned it down a few months later because I didn't really need it at that point because, obviously, when the, the show aired, we just got massive publicity. We did, like what the sales we did in those few days was like equal to a few months like it was huge (laughs) yeah amazing Um, and then you launched beauty fridge so tell us about that yeah so i launched beauty fridge what is beauty fridge for those who don't know yeah well it is what it kind of says it is (laughs) no but um it's it's a mini fridge for your skincare and your beauty products (laughs) yeah However, I know everyone who's listening is just going to be like, why not start it in a kitchen fridge? Well, let me oh, tell you why not. Good question. I was doing some research <laughs> into like, you know, why you should refrigerate your products in the first place. Um, because, you know, skincare these days is changing. It's got high active ingredients, less preservatives. We live in Australia. It's a hot climate. And I know me, I spend a lot of money on skincare because I'm... Obsessed. I'm sure most people listen to this too as well. <laughs> yeah, and you don't like. I, I kind of thought, oh, like we should almost be treating our skincare like we do like our perishable food items, you mm. know, and storing it properly in the fridge. And then I started looking at, well, what temperature do you store it in? Mm. And then normal kitchen fridges are actually the temperature is too low for skincare that it can actually what? freeze the ingredients. So you oh. could be putting your products in there and you're actually killing the active ingredients. So it's a fine balance. A, a yeah, fine so line. it needs to be cool, but not below a certain temperature like not below four degrees okay otherwise you're essentially damaging your products cool i've so, learned you today thank you yeah <laughs> so i guess beauty fridge it gives you that it's the perfect temperature yeah. it's convenient you keep it on your bathroom counter it's nice storage you can also go hot as well oh. so you can make it hot so you could put like if you do you know waxing at home oh or cute. like um like mini towels before you do yeah. a facial to open your pores you can store like serums as well in it if you want to put like a hot serum on to be um, absorbed better because that opens cool. your pores. So, like, those are the reasons why I started Beauty Fridge. But I also, because QuickFlix and Priceline, I went and flew over to do this, like, um, exhibition for Priceline where you meet all the buyers and you present your products. And I brought Beauty Fridge and they literally fell in love with it. Like, the sample arrived the day that I landed and I, like, had it flown to my hotel in Brisbane. Like, ran back to the hotel, picked all I ran back. <laughs> and then... Um, they were like, when's it launching? We want to order it for oh, Christmas. So, so I was good. like, guess I'm launching a new brand. <laughs> that's so amazing. So, when you told me that story, I was like, it was a nice oh. little, it was a nice little push for me, yeah. you know. But I'm, I'm really glad I did it. And I, with Beauty Fridge, also, I want to. I, I'm a big 
you know, lover of skincare and I, I've always wanted to go into designing my own skincare. Oh. So I want to actually evolve Beauty Fridge into its own skincare authority yeah. that releases the products that align with the reason you should store it in the mm. fridge. Like kind of like change the way we view skincare, like as a perishable item. Because me, like I never would have thought of it that way, but it makes yeah. so much sense, especially as you said, like active ingredients. Less preservatives. Yeah, like it doesn't make sense, especially in our climate, but it's so hot. Mm. To expect it to perform the way that it should. The only thing I've ever refrigerated is under eye masks. And that was because oh, it's it, nice it, it feels nice and cool. But I, I put like yeah. the jade rollers in there. Oh. You know, like you get the jade rollers and then you can roll it under your eyes in the morning to depuff. Does that work? Because I've oh, been yeah. sent those before, but I haven't. I thought it was one of those gimmicky things. I, fi- oh, I find it works. Could be in my head, but you know. <laughs> well, I have it works. <laughs> yeah. So going back also to, I guess, the start of my journey with Quick Flick versus the start of the journey with Beauty Fridge. Everything I've just said about, you know, quick flick and going on the shark tank and making all this money, it sounds amazing, you know, like it's a business owner's dream. However, at the same time, I didn't enjoy it at all. Are you serious? No. Wow. I didn't enjoy it at all. Like, I was just like, oh yeah, cool. Like, it's not good enough. What's next? Yeah. Is that kind of like imposter syndrome where it's like, it's not. You know what? I realize now I was trying to prove myself. I was, and I didn't know who to like I like just the world like I was just like yeah cool but like I, it could have been better mm. I could have made more money you know um or or yeah like yeah I'm 22 but you know I, I could have been doing much better at 22 wow, like how insane and I just and like even also after that I won all these awards like I like quick flick won you know best in beauty best eye innovation and <laughs> I was on all these like programs and I was just like still not good enough like I just kept wanting to fill this hole in me with all this stuff and then the more I tried to fill it the more miserable I was because it wasn't giving me anything you know so yeah that was really my perception back then was I need to work harder because nothing I do is good enough and I need to keep doing more and then I feel like now the way I've shifted it and the reason I started Beauty Fridge wasn't because, okay, I need to do something else to prove myself. Mm. It was all about sort of changing my perception and realizing I'm actually really good at what I do. Damn straight. So like, <laughs> why wouldn't I want to do more? Yeah. Because I love doing what I'm yeah. doing, you know? So it's been really interesting for me. Like, I feel like I have all these like light bulb moments. I'm mm. like, ah, oh, like that's why I did that. Yeah. And I can really see like the change in my life now, you know, it's how different it is. It's so cool. It's kind of like it's come full circle. And I mean... Are you still, do you still love being busy and like having like, 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 not chaos, but like, do you love having a lot on your plate? Some people thrive off that. I know many people um, do. I definitely like being busy. I like, I, lo- I love having things to do because like, I, I want to contribute to the world now, yes. you know, and it's, it's not just about trying to prove myself. It comes from a different place. Yeah. And yeah. not wanting to be stressed and yes, you know, like I was literally on the point of a breakdown, you know, because, yeah. and I also realized like I was operating like my subconscious mind was operating from this point where I want I almost like wanted things to go wrong like Mm. I I don't know how to describe it but because like obviously I'd never had any like pleasure or happiness growing Mm -hmm. up as soon as I experienced just a little bit of taste of it I would do something to sabotage it Mm. you know so I found myself in this circle and like like with my friends just like my partner at the time It was this really toxic, negative circle. But I take full responsibility of that. I was attracting that because that's exactly how my internal world was. It was toxic. It was negative. It was, I want to build relationships with people who hurt me. 
you know? Yeah. So I, f- I found like when I cleared and healed a lot of that, that's when my entire external world changed. And mm-hmm. I, had a, I had this happen for me massively in October, mm-hmm. like completely life-changing. So I'd done a lot of this work with... Um, with Holly and we've done a whole range of different things we've done hypnotherapy we've done a little bit of like alternative like Reiki energy healing if you believe in that I thoroughly believe in it yeah we've done a lot of you know mindset work journaling a ton of meditation like Mm. and I found meditation so difficult at the start because it's all about calming your nervous system because my nervous system was just like woo, we're on a roller coaster you know being like still with yourself and like your thoughts and trying to bring it back it was so difficult for me like to sit there for like 15 minutes even like my mind was just like going crazy you Mm -hmm. know so we did like a whole bunch of this stuff right and I like in my mind I was like yeah like like I'm, I'm healed now. It's cool. However, I only realized in September when I went to Bali, how important body work actually is. Right. Mm. So I've really come to realize uh, when you go through a lot of trauma, because in that scenario or in that event, you're not allowed to process that emotion that you're feeling. Right. You know, when a baby's crying, people say, stop crying. Yeah. And they don't actually get to a process that pain or that sadness or whatever. So it almost gets stuck in your body, right? So I found growing up, there was a lot of traumatic events that would happen and because I wasn't allowed to express it, that anger, that pain, that hurt, that sadness, it was just all stuck in me. internalized, And I just, even though I believed on a head level, my mind was so removed from my body. It's like Mm. I needed to bring them back together, you know? Yep, So I went to Bali for a break in August I think and it's amazing how the universe works so I went there and Holly happened to be there at the same time and I was like it's a sign (laughs) um and she says if you want to do some really good energy and body work healing I know a really good Balinese healer and I was like this is too good to be true and she was there at the time also doing a retreat because she's got many other clients yeah yeah so we happened to be there at the same time we trekked into the middle of nowhere into this little hut that this guy had built and we sat on this like mattress on the floor like it was just so like it was just so like human like I loved Mm. it you know and um it was I went for about two hours I think most extraordinary experience of my life so essentially I sat there and he did this energy healing and the way he describes it is like pulling out black sand from your body so it's it's energy release essentially so pulling that trapped negative Mm. energy out of you so for about two hours I just cried the entire time it's like I processed every single emotion that I wasn't allowed to process whoa so I just it was intense grief it felt like everyone in the world had died. Oh my god! It was it was insane, and my boyfriend Mickey was there also, and he's like, "What the <laughs> fuck is going on?" <laughs> and they're like, "Oh, like," and they're like, "Let it go." Yeah. yeah. It, honestly, from an outsider, it probably looked like wow. an exorcism. Holly was telling me she had done the same that same week with all of her other clients who had some hectic trauma, yeah. and she said like. 
some of the people she was doing it on, you know, people who are like in their 50s and 60s. So I've lived 24 years with this. Can you imagine what it's like living mm. two of my lifetimes with no. that sort of shit, you know? No. So she says, yeah, some people just go, like, they just scream and it's like the devil comes out of them, you wow. know? It's because they're releasing all of this built up yeah. anger and pain. So anyway, yeah, it was like two hours of this intense pain and it passed and then it was over and I just opened my eyes and I was like, I'm free. Whoa. I was like, it's over. It's done. And then I remember the hardest thing for me, Lauren, was forgiving. Mm, Oh, I'm bad with that. Yeah. I measure on that level. I was like that. I sat down. I remember Holly saying, we'll get you to the point where you can actually forgive what happened. And I said, no, I could never forgive it. I said to her, no way. And she says, you'll realize it's not about forgiving for them. It's about forgiving for you. Yes. And I was like. No, nah, still not going to happen. Yeah. I was like, you can't tell me, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, anyway, and then not, not the same night, but I got back from I got back from Bali. Yeah, I, I got back. So it was a few days still in Bali, got back, went to sleep and woke up on October 1st. It was that night. So the night going on to October 1st, I had this intense dream. Ah. Yeah. And in my dream, I was hugging my stepfather who's oh the one who did this God. to me and like unheard of would never have done this right so I'm hugging him like we're in this intense embrace and I'm holding him and his head's in my shoulder and he's like sobbing into my shoulder and I'm sa- I said to him it's okay I forgive you oh but it cheers that's insanity and he goes he goes thank you so much for forgiving me you have no idea how much pain I've been oh, living God. in and I really realized, and then I was like, yeah, like I remember growing up and hearing his stories of him as a child, of being abused by his mom, mm. you know, all this, uh, his dad had left. It's often generational. He actually yeah. had a very similar story to me, uh, um, you know, and it's this cycle of abuse. Hurt yeah. people, hurt, hurt people, people yeah, you know. 100%. And I could see that was happening to me, right? Like I was in, uh, this angry person and I would just lash out when mm-hmm. I got triggered and I was almost like... Like I was kind of turned, I was taking the same journey as what he had taken, you know, and I was actually like, I'm really grateful that I was, I had this opportunity to change this. And I felt thought, I I actually feel so sorry for him that he never Mm. had that opportunity to change his life around. And he's had to live for 50 odd years with all this pain. Mm -hmm. So anyway, so I had this intense dream and then I was like, yeah, I, I forgive everything. I was like, this doesn't define me anymore. Like. 100% 100% forgiveness and I've gotten to the point where I'm actually so like I can genuinely say in my soul like I'm so effing grateful that mm. I had to go through that shit mm. because without it like I wouldn't be the type it, it's given me so much strength especially in my business now and like the ability to be able to talk about it and influence other people I'm so great I wouldn't want it any other way you know like I know I feel like my soul was here to experience that you know so anyway woke up October 1st this is another thing Carol had told me at the start, the psychic. You're going to get goosebumps again. I can she feel said, <laughs> October will be the biggest month for you. Stop. And she's like, you're going to change everything. And I thought, oh, what the fuck am I going to change? <laughs> you know, I read back on my notes. October 1st, I woke up after this dream, right? And after coming back from Bali, I hadn't gone back to work yet. <sighs> so I'd cleared all this like trauma. I'd had this dream. I'd forgiven everything. I walked back into my office. And I said, everything is wrong. What? I said, I, I thought, 
what the hell is going on here? It's like I'd walked into this alternative reality and I was like, everything's wrong. I've got the wrong staff. Wow. I've done business wrong. I was like, this is not how I want to do this anymore. And I was like, everything has to change. Oh my this is October 1st, right? So, and uh, this is, what, what are we now? December, so. This is like recent. Yes, yeah, so this was recent, a few, few weeks ago, right? And literally two days later, two of my staff members had resigned. My what? two senior staff members had resigned because I said, everything has to change. We've been doing everything wrong. Yeah. And I just wanted to change the processes, the structure, how, our tone of voice, how we were talking to customers, like our ads. I was just like, nothing is right. Like, and then I, that's when I realized in Bali, I'd completely shifted all this stuff, right? Yeah. So I was like, the people who I'd hired, I'd hired from this traumatized part mm-hmm. of me. And, and that's the type of people I had been attracting, right? Ah. So I completely changed my frequency, oh. got back. They were running on a completely different yeah. frequency, you know? Yep. And I was just like, no, nothing's in alignment anymore. Wow. So in the space of eight weeks, so I've got 35 staff members now, six or seven work in the Perth office. One of my offshore offices, entire new team, new web devs, new graphic designers, new customer service agents, everyone else. I was like, you got to go. <laughs> and then same in my office here, entire new team. What? Everything changed. I, I, I changed my internal. So my external was... It was the wrong projection. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. linking up, you know? That is fascinating. Yeah. Because so. I'm such a huge believer in energy and attracting people that are on your wavelength. And when you meet people, you get, you get an idea instantly if they're like, if you vibe with them or not. And to I've never thought about it in like here your your experience is so like night and day. It's not mm. like, oh, you know, over a couple of years I did some work. And no, it, oh, it straight was like, away. And that's fascinating because it actually is almost like pure evidence that like it exists and for you to see such a clear that's yeah I can't even put into words how Mm. like insightful that is and guess who I hired as my new GM who a middle-aged man (gasps) Mm -hmm. who would have normally triggered the hell out of me so you can see how when you shift certain things and heal certain things how how that how certain things that have happened to you in the past are literally running your life. And so many people, people listen to this wouldn't even, there are so many people that don't, that are so used to feeling a certain way, whether it's crappy or depressed or they feel like they're worthless. They're so so used to feeling like that for whatever reason that it becomes their normal Mm. and they don't realize that there is so much that is blocking them or inhibiting them from actually growing and flourishing and experiencing life as it should be experienced. And if anything, this podcast will help people to hopefully like look inside and self-reflect and be mm. like, is there work that I could do on myself that could completely transform mm. my life? Because well, it something like Holly it. said to me, she says, your triggers are your own. Other people don't trigger you. Mm. You're triggering yourself. Middle-aged men weren't, those actual middle-aged men people, they weren't triggering me. It was just me. It was me internally because I hadn't healed that. So normally, like, if you're, if you're triggered by something, it's normally something that's happened in your past or a, an aspect of you that you don't like. So when you see it reflected like a mirror, it just bounces <sighs> straight back at you. And that's actually very interesting because there's a little phrase that my dad taught me ages ago, like back when I was in high school called, called mirroring. I had a group of friends. They weren't nice people and it took me 
until like year 12 to realize that they were just crappy, horrible, toxic people. Mm. And they would, they were like bullying me towards the last year and they hurl insults at me. I was like, this is actually really strange because I'm very well aware this has nothing to do with me. Like this one particular girl would always say this thing, these things to me. And I'm like, that doesn't even offend me because I know that's so like obviously not true. And it actually perfectly describes you as a person. Mm. So it's like a lot of people, they project how they feel inside. 100% project. That's why people ask, mm. well, how do you deal with, you know, trolls and negativity? It's like more often than not, it's just loved people don't spread hate and happy mm. people don't try to make other people unhappy. Mm. And it's always coming from, yeah, it comes from inside. You're projecting something onto someone else. And usually it's because, yeah, it's something you don't like about yourself. You see it in them 100%. and you're bringing it back. Exactly. Yeah, well, I think I'd always rather be the person who's being hated than the one hating. Because yes. the one hating is the one in pain. Boom! You know what I mean? It's, <laughs> yes. it's so true. Yes. And I, I like... I've completely changed now. Like even I like see these horrible people or like people who who project anger at me. I'm just like, oh, like I'm. I feel so sorry for you. Mm -hmm. Like I'm so sorry that you have to live in that pain Mm -hmm. and you haven't woken up. Mm -hmm. So like I don't even get angered or triggered Mm -hmm. by it anymore Mm because I'm just like. Like, I just feel so much love for them. I'm like, how can I help you? You yeah. know? You know that it's not personal. It isn't about, it's never no, about you. It doesn't trigger me. And I'm not just like, oh, you know, I get negative comments also. Like, mm-hmm. I've had all this shit stuff, you know. Oh, maybe you can invent a stamp to fix your face. Oh, geez, thanks. Wow. Geez, that took a <laughs> you lot know? of imagination for that one. <laughs> so, like, um. I get stuff, but I just think, like, you know, you, yeah, you're obviously operating from so much pain because, you know, they've probably had someone bully them before so they turn into the bully you know and it's it's the cycle Mm -hmm. every single cycle every single person that i know in my life that has either people that have gone through traumatic stuff Mm. or people that are very toxic themselves i feel like if you there's two types of people you go through something traumatic and you'll either you I mean, there's always going to be a period where you're angry and you're like resentful and you're just like full of, yeah, negativity because I think that's a natural thing to experience after you've gone through something equally yeah, as horrible. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. It's what you do with that afterwards that you've, after that, that, that period of processing it that really defines you. Some people will become like you, like sharing your message, helping other people, like hmm. turning it into something positive, which is incredible. The other kind of person will, like, they'll like marinate in it, like they'll use it, they'll, it will become their personality. Like I, I can think of someone. Let it define you. A hundred percent. And mm. it becomes like, it's, yeah, it, it literally becomes you. And thinking back to that person, it's it's so easy mm. to be like, oh, that person's so horrible. How can they say this or do this or feel this? But it's like th- that person, I cannot imagine what it would have been like to experience what they've experienced. What they went through. It's, at the end of the day, all it comes down mm. to is just, it's just a real shame that they don't see that they're, they don't feel like they're worthy enough or they don't see that it's an issue enough mm. to want to fix it. Because imagine how like, how good their life could be exactly if they fixed it. I know, yeah. 100%. Uh, uh, so are they also not to blame, you know? That's, no. That's the thing, you know? I feel like there's not enough education around how, as humans, we deal and process our emotions. Mm-hmm. Stop teaching kids in school algebra. Oh my Start God. teaching them, you know, <laughs> things that are actually going to help them help to be them. better human beings yep. in life, you yep. know. So it, people are not to blame, and it's how society's conditioned us, 
you know, it's the program. Mm-hmm. It's all part of this program. Yep. Yep. And we're constantly told growing up that we're not good enough as well. Yes. Because without it, if everyone on this planet walked around thinking, oh my God. I am absolutely 100% perfect the way mm-hmm. I am, industries would literally collapse Bankrupt. overnight. Yep. Like, that's why yep. there's the cosmetic industry, you know, 100%. that I'm in. Yep. So, yeah, I, I actually... Uh, I initially, like you say, if there's someone who I come across that treats me in a negative way, exactly like that, I think about, you know, how sorry I actually am for Mm -hmm. them. But at the same time, it's also not my job to wake them up and make them realize everyone's there to have their own journey and experience their things. So I'm very much like, you know, thank you for whatever it is. However, not aligned for me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, kind of send them on their way. Rejected that, yeah. Yeah, rather than sending, you know, bouncing back the negativity mm-hmm. towards them. And creating a bigger problem that, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then I find if you treat people like that, you'll never actually have guilt because you've, even if you do end up reconnecting a later stage, you've never actually, you've still sent them away and treated them with love, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I love you as a person and I think you're great. However, it's not aligned for me right mm-hmm. now. And then you'll never feel guilty about it and that's something I did with my biological dad Mm -hmm. because when I first connected with him I I couldn't sit next to him like I was just so triggered by him that would be the craziest situation I cannot imagine meeting your father at that age the thing is for 20 years I built this story in my head of what I thought it would be Ah. like and you know when you have expectations and when that expectation doesn't happen what does it lead to disappointment you know and yeah so for 20 years I'd manifested this reality in my head of what would be like the first time I meet my dad and I thought I had this amazing connection and like the first time I met him I couldn't have been more disappointed like (laughs) I just felt like I was sitting opposite an old dude yeah and I was just like a stranger a stranger you know like there was no connection there was nothing and I just had like all these questions and all this anger like why did you leave what was wrong with Mm me and like I very much I met him and then I just completely disconnected myself from him and then when I started to do this work at the start of this year I really tried to reconnect you know because mm-hmm. I he, yeah. he's 80 years old as well wow. so yeah. I know that that time's not on my side yeah. as well so I you know tried had all these efforts to try and reconnect and I just I was just always triggered by him and I couldn't and I even had sessions with him yep. and all wow. the answers he gave me I was like nah they're bullshit like yep. you still don't leave your daughter yep. you know So there was a period where I thought to myself, you know what, dad, love you. However, you're not, you just, it's just not right for me right now, you know? And like I would say to Holly, like, you know, I I feel like I have to see him because what if he dies tomorrow? I feel guilty about it, you know? And so I would literally force myself to see him, put another mask on, pretend I was happy and be severely triggered by him and he would be triggered by me he had trauma as well growing up so there's all this trauma that's been passed down to me (laughs) so he was yeah he had trauma as a child I won't say what because that's his thing so yeah he was also being triggered by me so we very much just disconnected from Mm -hmm. each other but it was still with love it wasn't with you know f you dad no. hate you no. because yeah if he you know drops off the perch tomorrow then <laughs> i would have that you know yes. that that guilt inside me of yes. i could have done better yeah that's another thing i've changed in my vocabulary no shoulds 
could have because should implies shame you know i i should have done that ah. it's, it's like you're putting shame on yourself you know love that so i change it you know i i could have done that but i wasn't in the right headspace at the time or you know yeah. i i could have made more money but how the hell was i supposed to know i'm new at business yeah that's actually i never thought about that like, yeah, when should you, does should is shameful yeah. and when you tell someone like lauren you should have done this it's like you're implying yeah. my beliefs is better than yours and you should have done what I'm saying because, Ooh. you know, my belief is better than your belief. Damn. And, you know, really, if you think about it, no one's opinion is better than anyone else's. No, it's all subjective. Everyone's got their own, yeah, yeah everyone experiences it all differently. Yeah, so, yeah, going back to my point, I very much disconnected from him. There was still love there and then after I did all this, like, energy clearing, I finally could meet up with him months later and wasn't was no longer triggered by him and I could just sit there and just understand him as a person and think I always like go back to thinking everyone's always doing the best they can with what they have at that time you know Mm -hmm. and I also realized by me saying you know dad you could you should have been there for me I was judging him Mm -hmm. and I thought back to how I used to behave before I'd done all this work you know like I used to have these massive outbursts of anger where I throw things and Mm -hmm. say all these horrible things and I think Holly once asked me she said would you like someone to sit there and have judged you in that situation Mm -hmm. and judged you on how you behaved and I was like well no because of what I went through and she goes well think about what he went through wow and I was like oh I'm getting goosebumps yeah me too (laughs) so I think it's really important that if someone doesn't align with you just send them away with love because then there's no regret tied mm-hmm. there. You know, you, you realize I, I could have connected with him, but at the time it wasn't right wasn't for right. me. Uh-huh. So that's kind of how I've healed a lot of the stuff around that's... my dad, which is like a massive wound to heal. Jesus. I mean. <laughs> Done it so quick. <laughs> everything. Yeah. It's like you have been, it's like you've followed this path that has just like you've taken one step. And then something's unfolded and then it's led you to the next step and that's unfolded. And each step you've like rapid transformation. (laughs) Yeah. But it's amazing because it shows that, I mean, obviously there's no one way to, to, there's no blanket fix for, not even fix, there's no blanket way to like heal anything. Mm. And each person's going to have a different experience, a different different journey. journey. Mm. But the fact that yours has been so, like I was in goosebumps the entire time. It was like one person says this and then you happen to meet have this person in your life that knows this and then it like but you know it's that's the power of being in control of your reality as yes. soon as you realize you are in 100% control of your life yes this is why it's been so quick because yep. I realize I control absolutely everything yep. this is why people oh I'm old I can't change anything uh, all you know my friends sometimes whinge oh you know this guy keeps screwing me over and I'm like you do realize you are writing the code to your entire life <laughs> Yeah. So start writing a better code. <laughs> That's a thing though. And I like to talk about that, but I'm scared to talk about things like that on here. I kind of touched on it because a lot of people then they take it as, oh, so you think I deserve that. I, I, I've, I've met this horrible person and I deserve like, oh, that I was just to, to, to say to someone, you know, you're creating this, you're attracting this, you're, mm. you're setting the course of your life. And then for someone who has gone through something traumatic as you, I mean, you would know, hmm. like imagine me coming to you before you were ready to hear it and saying like, maybe what you went through, maybe, maybe you were chosen to go through what you went through because you could handle it. And now you can use all of that horrible stuff that you went through to help other people and transform other lives. Like hmm. I'm sure before you were ready to hear that, you'd be like, excuse me, like how dare you imply, hmm. you know, you know what I mean? 
Yeah, I think I know what you're saying. That's pretty deep stuff, though. But I feel like for just normal everyday things, like classic example, I was having this conversation yesterday with this guy. This is amazing. This is just how the universe works, right? So <laughs> my boyfriend's friend, um, he's quite an introvert mm-hmm. and um, uh, he ha- he's had a very bad history of um, like romantic relationships with girls, right? And he's just like... He was talking, you know, I can't meet the right person. Every girl screws me over. And I was like, stop, stop right that. There. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, what did you just say? Every girl screws mm-hmm. me over. So what is, what's your mind listening to? What is your mind telling you right now? That mm-hmm. every single girl you meet will screw you over. Mm-hmm. So subconsciously, you're going to go out. You're waiting to meet. <laughs> yeah. you're, either you're going to attract people who are going to mm-hmm. screw you over. Or you might meet a fantastic girl who could be the love of your life, but then you start oh, start thinking, you know, oh, you know, does she have a hidden agenda? Why is she so nice to me? Mm-hmm. This is what I used to. This is what I started thinking when I first when I met my current boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Why is he so nice to me? Mm-hmm. Because I had always associated men treating me badly. Yeah. That was how I associated love with yes. guys screaming over and you know playboys and dating other girls on the sides that that's that's how i had created in my mind how i expected to be treated so as soon as i got the opposite i was like nah he's being nice to me for other reasons you know so and then i literally started to sabotage it Mm -hmm. without even realizing i was i was saying oh you know i said to him you know maybe not now's not the right time i'm too busy you know (laughs) and i was very lucky i had holly there for me to say just hold on Iris just pick up and notice what your mind is doing as soon as you can start picking up how your mind is is behaving you can stop it and then you think okay what's my new belief system right and this is what I do when I catch my out myself out and it's just habits that we've learned and been conditioned to believe by society you know all through childhood and our adult lives so you know his friend for example all women screw me over redefine that what is your new belief system that you know, maybe it is I'm worthy of having a loving relationship and women will treat me how I deserve to be treated. That's your new belief system. So now you will start attracting your new belief system, you know. Mm-hmm. So just little 100%. shifts, like mm-hmm. even, if that, even if that's just what whoever's listening to this can start with in their day. And it's so easy. They get to make it. Exactly. If you believe it, just, just constantly repeat it to yourself. It's literally that simple. Yeah. And after a while, and that's why I'm so optimistic and so positive because i believe that everything has a silver lining because and 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 because i have that because i'm going into every situation in my life looking for something good Mm. i find it yeah you'll find it yeah you'll find it and that means that when you meet someone you're always experiencing things in a certain way if if i think oh everyone screws me over everyone wants something everyone's mean everyone's bitchy everyone's this and it's like well, everyone as, is as you that's said, your truth 100 percent. that will become your truth you will you, you, you will wait to be justified to have those feelings and those thoughts justified and as soon as yeah i always meet jerks i'm always dating jerks you meet a jerk oh so you always date jerks like you're constantly feeding into it and mm. then as you said you meet someone nice and it's like oh he's got hidden agenda and then it's yeah so many people wouldn't even realize they've got these belief systems until you actually have to stop and be like you you almost have to stop and think about every single thought that goes into your mind is Mm. that is that actually my thought or Mm. is that 
a thought I've developed or is that a thought that's been put in my head from someone else? Mm-hmm. Classic example, me joking about I'm bad at maths, right? <laughs> yeah. Am yeah. I actually bad at maths? No. I'm probably not. But because I, t- and this is something I like to play. Holly taught me this game. This is something I like to play with my um, team members as well. Call it the rescript game. Yeah. So I, I started it with myself initially because I would work and I'd be like, oh, so bloody stupid. How did I do that? How did I, you know, get that wrong? Mm-hmm. You know, and I would constantly tell myself I was an idiot and mm-hmm. I didn't know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And then obviously I start believing it, you yep. know. So yep. now whenever someone catches something, like says something, mm-hmm. I'm like, re-script, redefine that. Love that. And you think, oh, oh, I'm not actually an idiot. I just, I've never done this before. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm learning and next time I'll know exactly how to do it. Self-compassion. Perception completely mm-hmm. shifted. And I do it with myself because something I really struggled with, I felt like I had no identity, right? Mm-hmm. And I still to this day have massive chunks of memory loss. Like I wow. feel like I can't remember a lot of my childhood. That makes sense. Because yep. my mind's blocked it mm-hmm. out because it's so painful. Mm-hmm. And I really, I still, I'm still working through it. I still feel like I don't really know who I am because I've missed out on this massive, you know, stage of developing your identity. Yeah. And... I kind of felt, well, I still sort of feel like a lot of the thoughts are not mine. They're thoughts that have been put into me by society, by my parents, by negative friends at the time. So recently I've been doing a lot of, whenever I think something, I'm like, hold on a second. Is that actually what my, I truly believe in my soul? Do I actually, is that the actual judgment I want? Or is that actually how I believe about that situation? Or is that actually how I I perceive that? Mm. And then I think about it and I think it's not like my my ex's family was quite um, racist. Ooh. So being around that for five years, sometimes I find I, I might look at, say, like an interracial couple and I'll have this thought come in my mind and I'm like, well, hold on. I'm like, that is not mine. That does not belong mm-hmm. to me. That's, that's just I was influenced, that's yep. influenced by other yep. people around me. And then it's about all redefining what's my actual belief system about that, you know? And it's been really great for me to completely just realise what actually, what is my truth and what's other people's truth. And I found it also with energy as well. Do you find you might walk into a room and you, oh, it's a very toxic energy mm-hmm. or it's a, oh, it's a great, mm-hmm. like, lifely energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, just as much as our thoughts might not be ours, our energy can also not be ours, you know? Mm. And I really I had this realisation this week on mm-hmm. Wednesday, actually, because I did another <laughs> <laughs> I did another um, energy healing yep. exercise on Wednesday and processed some pretty deep trauma, which was fantastic for me. Yeah. And I really realised that a lot of the energy that we're carrying around or the energy we might be feeling in a certain moment is absorbed from other people as well. And how important it is to protect your own energy. Yes, I'm so about that. Yeah, and I was talking to Holly about it when I had this realisation that our energy isn't always ours. And she says, I'll tell you a really interesting story. She says she once went to this seminar and she was listening to this really amazing woman talk. And she says, I was, you know, halfway through the session, I was thinking, wow, this woman is so inspiring and she's saying all these fantastic things. And then she said, all of a sudden... I started feeling really negative towards her and just thought, you know, this woman is talking shit. What does she know? Like, and I started feeling really angry towards Mm. her. And she says, after the speech finished, I started talking to the lady next to me and she said exactly what I was thinking about. She was, the the lady next to her started saying, oh, you know, what does this woman know about? She's shit. I hated that. And she says, in that moment, I realized I had absorbed her energy. So how I was feeling 
actually wasn't mine. Ooh. And I had this massive like brain explosion on Wednesday because when I came back from Bali and started doing all these shifts, I would come into work and I'd feel really anxious and nervous and just really toxic and negative. And I, would, I used to sit in this room, in the separate room, because I was like, stay away. Yeah. And then I realized, hold on a minute, that that anxiety that I was absorbing and that stress, that wasn't mine. No. That was how everyone around me was feeling because I was wanting to change things. Yeah. So wow. now whenever I feel a certain energy or if I start feeling nervous about something or like going into a situation feeling nervous when I had to like confront one of my staff members I went in feeling really nervous Mm -hmm. and I was like hang on these these aren't my nerves I'm actually absorbing the other person's Mm. nerves you know so interesting so actually like really protecting your own energy and someone described it to me as picturing yourself in a massive egg with a mirror on the outside so it's just like (laughs) deflection you know oh deflection (laughs) yeah so I find that really amazing to really say you know this is mine yeah I own this energy and and as you said if someone isn't I think I was listening to a podcast recently and they were saying how we are so quick to give people the benefit of the doubt and to be like oh you know give them we're we're taught to be especially women be nice be polite be sweet you know don't be confrontational just be passive and chill and whatever Mm. but it's all society conditioning yeah women should be quiet and yeah easy Mm. anyway and so so many times we have these really strong gut instincts or this Mm. intuitive feeling or as you said like you can feel energy something just feels off it's like a little whisper you just like feel like something's Mm. just not not right but we ignore it because we've got to be polite and and I can't say to you oh I don't feel comfortable you know doing this or doing that because then it means that I'm being confrontation and we're just yeah keep it Mm. keep everything nice and like easy and polite and whatever and then a lot of bad things can happen like a lot of this particular part I think it was I think it was actually an uh, an episode with Oprah and Dr. Phil my two favorite people that would have been good (laughs) it, it was good and a lot of women ignore their intuition and that's when something bad will happen they'll be like they'll they'll be out shopping and they'll see a man walking past or they'll they'll see someone or feel someone or someone's looking at them and they'll they'll be like oh you know but then you think oh i'm being irrational this is Mm. unrealistic whatever and you ignore it and then one thing leads to another and you've been abused or you've been followed or you've been something horrible has happened Mm. and it's like i think it's about time now that we start to acknowledge that our feelings are valid if you don't feel like someone adds to your life or is yeah adds to your life or or can can coincide or can coexist with you Mm. on the same level you know with the same kind of attitude then you're not being a bad friend or a bad person or irrational by wanting them out of your life Mm. like you've got to protect your energy with love right yes wanting them out with love (laughs) sorry i should preface that not like oh yeah i'm stuff you (laughs) confrontation can be love it it doesn't have to be negative confrontation can be like you know like a compliment sandwich like you're great this isn't working, but you're great. Thanks for... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 100%. It's not in alignment for me. But yeah, 100% trusting. Uh, I think energy is its whole other emotion mm. that we mm-hmm. aren't taught. And we often our mind takes over and tries to rationalize things, exactly. you know. So I really try to listen to that now mm-hmm. more than ever. So... Love that. Yeah. <laughs> so let's like summarize everything that you... Well, you can't really summarize everything you've experienced in the past couple of years. a big summary. <laughs> but... Tell me about your daily routine now. Mm. So I guess 
little things that I guess people could also implement yes. in their own yes, day to day. So something I do every single morning without fail. Well, some days I don't, that's a bit <laughs> naughty. We won't tell Holly that. Um, sorry, Holly, if you're listening. No. So one thing that I do without failure every day is journaling. Oh. Meditation first, actually. How long for? Depends. Um, anywhere from half an hour to an hour. And what do you do in that meditation? Um, sometimes I do guided meditations. Okay. So I've got an app called Insight App, mm-hmm. which has some really good guided meditations, people talking. You can do a whole range of things, you know, like about building confidence or, um, you know, starting your day up or energy. There's lots yep. of guided ones. Recently, I've been doing just music and I find like myself thinking about certain things or, or finding um, fixes to problems mm-hmm. I'm facing. Like I, I find it quite interesting. Love it. But to just really start my day on that kind of calm, relaxed, easy flow sort of vibe, you know? Can I ask, just mm. interrupt you, what about journaling? Because I've heard that's like a really important tool, but I don't know why. Like, What does that give you? What does that, yeah. how does that help you? Yeah, good question. So I'll do the meditation, then I'll, I'll go on to journaling. So I write about five things that I'm truly, truly grateful mm-hmm. for in okay. the day. So it can be anything from running water to coffee Mm -hmm. to music like just such like little things that you don't know everyone takes for granted everyone takes for granted you know and I and I write why am I happy Mm -hmm. for it why am I grateful for it sorry and then I will write about a page about my day as if it's already happened love that so I write it in the past tense so Mm -hmm. today I did this or today I had a fantastic day because I, you know, did whatever it is. Or today I walked in and everyone was so energized and I set everyone up for a great week and I got through all of my emails and it it was so easy. And I literally write as if I've had the perfect day. And the reason I do that is because something I've learned is the mind always returns to what's familiar. So remember what we've been talking about, about talking your truth you write out it as if it's happened the mind believes it's already happened so it's more likely to play out what you're telling it Mm -hmm. so I will sit there and I'll write out my day as if it's already happened and then I also write what I choose to feel today so I find it especially helpful for Mondays and this is something I always was so confused about after I've done all, I had done all this healing. I'm like, why does everyone hate Mondays? (laughs) I was like, Mondays is the best day. Like you come in after having a relaxing weekend, like why does everyone hate Mondays? And then, you know, I I did it with my team as well. And you write at the start, at the start, I write, how am I currently feeling? Because it's nice to compare how you've shifted things Mm. after you've written what you're grateful for and the perfect day, how you want to have it. And yeah, I quite often will write, you know, I choose to feel motivated, energized, Mm. grateful. And you start to then adopt how it is that mm-hmm. you choose to feel. So I, f- I find that a really important way to set up your day. I love that, yeah. And then another way I also use journaling on that topic is, I know you've touched on it a bit, you know, manifesting mm-hmm. in some of your other podcasts. Mm-hmm. So I did it I, I did it when I completely changed my entire team. That would have been a huge task. It was huge. Yep. So, you know, rehiring everyone, wow. going into Black Friday. Oh, you're <laughs> kidding. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, my, two of my senior positions started the week before black friday wow so it was a nice little throw in the deep end wow so i wrote out like a 90 day vision so i wrote it as if i was writing on the first of january so i wrote it's the first of january and then i wrote exactly 
what I wanted to happen. So I wrote about finding a new team, finding the perfect general manager, finding the perfect marketing manager, all these changes that I wanted to happen as if they've happened. And I went back and read it the other day. Literally everything I've written has happened. I call it my magic journal. But it's all about, yeah, telling telling yourself what you want to happen so that you will then create that version of reality you know it's like your mind's a projector whatever it is inside is what's projecting out and what you're seeing Mm. so we've the reason we're sitting here today having this podcast we've designed this Mm -hmm. we've attracted all Mm -hmm. of this into our field you know so that's the the purpose of journaling the power of journaling is and really taking that moment to sit and think how do i feel what am i grateful for how do i want to design my reality so i think that's like nice little things that people can adopt That's something I find very, very important is gratitude. I feel like it's so easy for us to be inundated by, oh my God, this went wrong and little inconveniences and stuff like that and and to feel like there's so much going going wrong in our lives. But when you actually just stop and look around and I love that you said something as simple as like running water, like Mm. we we take that for granted. There's so much. Like the fact that, yeah, oh my God, I could, yeah. Well, I realized that when I went to Bali and my tour guide didn't even have a fridge. Here I am selling fridges for your skincare. <laughs> I was like, whoa, reality whoa, check. A hundred percent. And you would never be like, oh my God, I'm grateful for my fridge. Because mm. it sounds silly, doesn't it? But it's yeah. not. And so that's something that I often do before bed. And if I am not too sleepy when I wake up, at least three things I'm grateful for. I think about it um, mentally. But I love the idea of journaling because something my dad also told me is focusing on the end result, which is similar to what you said. It's like focusing mm. on, um, I'm going to have a great day. I'm going to... It could be as simple as I'm going to find a parking spot right where I need one or whatever. Uh, I do that. I drive into a parking spot. I'm going to find one. I will always, always. find a parking spot. And then if I haven't been thinking about it and Reese is in the car and I get this amazing spot and I'm like, oh, hell yeah. And he's like, yeah, I chose it. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you. No, it's true though. It's so, yeah. And it's so simple. And it probably sounds like airy fairy because I know a lot of people will listen and be like, ah, whatever. And that's mm. cool. You don't have to believe it. That's no. the beauty of it. If you want to. And that's the thing. I said. I've said before, I met Reese because of a list I wrote years ago that said, I want a partner that has this, 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 and this. And when mm. I was writing, I was like, wow, this seems really like optimistic and good luck to me. But part of me still believed it. And I know that like good things happen. And I mean, the fact that I'm in the situation I'm now means that like, you got to keep an open mind. Who would have thought? Mm. So I found that list similar to what you did. Like I looked back on it. And I'm like, he's literally everything on this. And it made me emotional because I was thinking when I was writing this, I thought there was like, you know, the chances of finding someone like that was slim. Was slim. Mm. And I've had people that follow me that have said that they've written um, lists since listening or if I've mentioned it a while back and they found someone. It's like it's not mm. – we, we think it's so complicated. And I feel like a lot of us operate from a place of lack. We don't have this or we need it. It's like we all have so much. We need to focus on being grateful for everything that we have. We have, yeah. Because, yeah, we have so much – we want so much more than we actually need. Mm. Oh, it's 100% true. Yeah. And also going back to the journaling and, and writing out how you want, it's also important to not become too attached to that as well. So yep. to not think this is exactly 110% how it has to be. Because like what I was saying before, creating that amazing mm-hmm. reality in my mind of what it would be like to meet my dad when it doesn't turn out, and maybe it doesn't turn out exactly mm-hmm. how you've written it, it will lead to disappointment. So whenever I write it, I think this could happen or something greater. Mm-hmm. It's something even greater than I could have imagined yep. in the first place, you know? And it's also worth noting with that is that we have this in this society, like this, this day and age, this 
um, quick fix. Like we need things to happen quickly. We I've need, got a no. product <laughs> called Quick Fix. <laughs> when I said that, I was like, oh my God, I'm saying it quick. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's like some things take a lot of time. Some things can happen really quickly. Mm. Some things can happen, can take years. Mm. Like I always wanted a long-term relationship, but I met lots of jerks and I was single for like most of my adult life. But everything that led up to that moment was pivotal in me meeting. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. So it's like, as you said, it's a really, really good, really good point to, to, to make. Like, have an idea, know what you want, mm. but don't be focused on that as the only don't way of getting attached. to that point. Yes, yeah. don't come attached. Don't become attached. Thank you so much for sharing your story, That's for being okay. vulnerable. I know, I mean, I can only imagine how hard it would be, but so many people will benefit from this. Mm. And it takes your courage to be able to, like, have, yeah, to affect all those people and just to show behind the scenes and share, like, even though you might have everything on paper, like just it comes into the whole social media thing. Mm. Like take everything with a grain of salt, be inspired by people, you know, be happy for them, but know that everyone's going through their own thing. Everyone's doing their best with, with what they with have. What they have exactly. The as you said. Um, and yeah, life's good. Mm. Everything will be okay. You just got to know that you're, I think it's about talking about uh, actually yeah. speaking about these things more as well, you know. I think that's why I really wanted to share my story today is even if I can just influence one person to start making that mm-hmm. one little step towards more of a positive, mm-hmm. you know, journey. Um, thing and you you've already influenced me literally. Good I'm, enough for me. I'm, I'm buying a journal today. Yeah. I'm like I love that idea and it's something that I already know but it's like it's it, it's putting it into mm. it's it's just doing it differently. Yeah. And I think that's, yeah, I'm, I can't wait to see what people think about this. So thank you so much. That's okay. Thank Where you for having me you? on your, your podcast. Um, so you can find me uh, at Iris Jade. That's my personal. Mm-hmm. And then my business is The Quick Flick and Beauty Fridge. Love that. Thank yes. you so much. No worries. Thank you. <laughs> bye. I said bye as if I were having like a phone. <laughs> see ya. Phone bye. <laughs>